the canopy of pines on the eastern lake shore with the beauty outside at the end of the road off the edge of the dock in all four seasons it's table talk i am in search of cherished moments of words and writing that trigger another place, another time. Stories to tell around campfires. From old postcards. From letters to Lake Abernathy. I know they are here somewhere. It is a homemade wooden box, and it is filled with keepsakes, cards, and notes. I can see the box in my mind's eye. It has copper-colored brackets and a colorful fish painted on its top. It is made from reclaimed wood. Ah, there it is, tucked safely away in a little nook and cranny up here in the attic, next to the cymbala and accordion. Both instruments were given to me by my grandmother. The fish box is right where I put it a few strawberry moons ago. As it opens, the memories all come rushing back. Yesteryear. I see a small stack of postcards first. They are bundled together with a strip of brown butcher's paper and jute twine. Dear Peter, I'm sitting by the campfire just along the water's edge. We've schlepped two boats, five coolers, a barbecue, countless fishing rods, and who knows how many tackle boxes up the steepest hill I have climbed in a long time. This place is what I imagine heaven to be. It is so quiet. There is a gentle breeze off the lake. The log cabin is pretty remote, but that is a good thing. The bugs, so far, are not too bad. Tomorrow, we will be on the water as the sun comes up. Wishing you were here with us. Love, Mary. To my dear son. Soon, you will be old enough to head up north on our annual spring fishing trips. I wanted you to have this letter for those special days when it is just you and this place I have come to love on Lake of the Woods. Head out to a quiet bay. Find a channel. Sit down. Be still and listen. Cast away. Your first fish just took the bait. Set the hook. Reel in. Congratulations. You just caught a fish. Whether it is a walleye, a lake trout, or a smallmouth bass, you have experienced what I am convinced will become a deeply sustaining lifelong practice. With love, Dad. Hello, Marianne. Your aunt and I wanted to send you this postcard from Provence. We cherish the time we spent with you and yours on Lake Abernathy. The day we headed out on the lake will not soon be forgotten. Every little island, every fish on, and the peace and quiet are forever etched in our mind's eye. Now closer to home, from sunset to sundown, we find ourselves enjoying the moss in Vaucluse. For us, it is everything we need and more right now in our golden years. 
Here in the morning, we enjoy a cup of coffee and pastries. As chickens in the backyard, scratch the earth, search for bugs, and happily talk to each other. It is a language that I never tire of. There are lovely potted plants, lavender, and other herbaceous herbs on the terrace. Afternoons are spent exploring small villages that dot the countryside. We enjoy small plates of food, great wine, freshly baked breads, cheese, so much cheese, hams and sausages. We stroll through the vineyard and along country roads in the evenings. You and Dee must come here one day. We will share our love affair with Provence and the south of France with both of you. Until then, take good care of each other. With cheer, Don and Neely. Dearest Cinnamon, You are our everything. From the day we picked you up, from the small studio space on Wardlaw in Osborne Village in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in the heart of the prairies, we have loved you. Full stop. It is a love that has no end. You see, today is the day we set you free, so that you can cross the Rainbow Bridge and run and play. You can see again. You can find the patch of sunlight that you love to sit in as the rays gently warm you from the winter's frosty chill. Spring will come with fresh clover to sit in and squirrels to chase, up pine branches and around birch trees. Soon you can swim again. Find that starfish, my love. We will be there walking with you on the west coast of Canada in spirit. Let the boat rides in the summer remind you of every largemouth bass, every turtle on a rock, and the loons. How you loved to hear them calling to you as you sat on the edge of the dock. Espresso, she will be by your side. You have each other again. That makes me smile from the inside out. Stay close to her. She is the kindest, gentlest, four-legged friend you will ever know. In the fall time, jump in the pile of leaves, just like you used to at Lake Abernathy. How you love to run in and out of the just-raked piles of oak and maple leaves. Let the crunch of the dried-up leaves be the sound that reminds you of the times we shared. As the colors of red, yellow, and orange kiss your pale white fur, remember, we are right beside you and Espresso. Morning noon and night. And Sophie, you will see Sophie again. She loves you. Never forget that. We do too, with all our heart. Go gently into that good night, good girl. Love, mom and mom. I think I will put the postcards away for a little while. It is time to check on the rabbits. Pickles and Oreo. They might need some fresh water or maybe a few dandelion leaves. I will go outside and pick some greens and then come back in. First, I will put a pot of coffee on. It has been a cool and crisp early morning and I could use another cup. It is cloudy today. 
a brief reprieve from the hot and sunny days. And for now, there is not a smoky haze. There are wildfires everywhere. Here they are, brightly colored notepaper, and I can make out the scribble and scratch marks. Ideas for short stories, drafts written and rewritten. Sophie's stories, the recollections of a northern rescue dog. Sophie wanders, often and alone. Her woodland friends are more than imaginary. Missy Mouse lives just up the hill. Sophie enjoys tea time with Missy Mouse. Let's meet her now. Missy Mouse pushes her spectacles down the bridge of her nose as she reads from Walden Pond. Nestled in an olive green mustard yellow crocheted basket and sitting atop her favorite homespun blanket, Missy Mouse settles in for the day. Basil is sitting in his easy chair, having fallen asleep after putting down the triplets, pearl, oats, and honey. A small fire burns in the wood stove and helps to dry out the earthen floor and walls of ash and walnut. A summer storm passed through in the early morning hours, and the temperature has dropped from a blistering 41 degrees Celsius to 7 degrees. A steady rain is falling outside, and Missy listens to the drops on the silvery tin roof. The tiny log in the woods keeps her and her young family safe from the hazards of extreme weather and any predators who might do harm. Owls, pigeons, screechhawks, weasels, minks, and more are not fast friends of the wood mouse. Missy Mouse will rise again late in the evening. Being mostly nocturnal, she is busy as the sun set and the night sky comes to life with the moon and the stars. It is early August and Missy Mouse has just finished her third rotation on the Santa Maria. Missy Mouse works on a tall ship in the summer season. She is the ship's cook. Her favorite recipes can be found in cookbooks by Ina Garten. Missy Mouse loves to cook and bake. The ship's crew and guests benefit from her creativity and passion for simple foods made well. Some of her go-to dishes include chicken piccata, so crunchy and zesty you'll want seconds, lobster corn chowder, parmesan roasted broccoli, easy tomato soup and grilled cheese croutons, make-ahead goat cheese mashed potatoes, Sophie's favorite, easy mac and cheese, perfect roast chicken, lemon yogurt cake, chocolate macaroons. Basil loves these little tasty coconut treats. It seems to me that Missy Mouse loves cheese. And as much as she loves her family, she is proud of the work she does away from the tiny log in the Whiskey Jack Forest. For so many in rural and remote northwestern Ontario, the tourist season brings a busyness and business to the region made famous by the fabled Canadian Shield. On the tall ship, Missy Mouse works 21 days and nights and then has seven days off. The money she earns help pay for the tiny log in the woods and for the extras that her children enjoy, ballet classes, guitar lessons, and hockey camps. Here in Canada's far north, much is free 
from daycare to grade school to post-secondary education, be it college, a trade school, or university. The Mouse family has access to universal health care, and safety nets provide assistance when needed. When Basil Mouse had to take a leave of absence from work to care for his ailing father, Geronimo Mouse, a basic income, a living wage, helped to support the family. Luckily, Geronimo recovered from the novel virus that swept through the countryside in 2020, and Basil has since returned to his beloved job as sitting House Speaker in the House of Commons. He was elected by Wild Things, both urban and rural, in the last general election. The territory is vast, covering traditional lands from the shores of James Bay all the way south to the border towns of Fort Francis, Emo, and Rainy River on Lake of the Woods. He represents the country seat, held for time immemorial by his kinfolk. They settled in the township of Sunero's Nestor Falls when they fled to Canada in the late 1800s, his great-great-grandfather leaving behind the famine in southern Italy. Geronimo and his life partner, Ginseng, care for the young family when Basil and Missy are both at work. Their affection and fondness for the grandbabies knows no limits. The days and nights roll in and roll out, filled with laughter and love. Hmm. There is a piece of glossy paper in between my handwritten notes. It is a cutout. It is from the magazine Time, and in the words of writer Andrew C. Scott, I quote, The first stage of human interaction with fire perhaps as early as 1.5 million years ago in Africa, is likely to have been opportunistic. Fire may have simply been conserved by adding fuel, such as dung that is slow burning. A fire would have been useful not only for light and warmth at night, but to frighten off predatory animals. And the smoke would have been effective in keeping insects away. This ability to stretch fire was a novel feat, only developed by humans. So much we can reasonably speculate, but finding evidence of the earliest regular use of fire is fraught with difficulty, as identifying ancient hearths is not always straightforward. Individual occurrences are also of limited use. There needs to be evidence from multiple sites. There are claims for such evidence from sites in southern Africa that are over a million years old, such as the Wonderwork Cave in northern Cape Province. Clear evidence of habitual use of fire, though, comes from caves in Israel dating back between 400,000 and 300,000 years ago and include the repeated use of a single hearth in Quesem Cave and indications of roasting meat. The next stage was to gain the ability to start a fire. This would have enabled more regular and managed use, allowing the development of cooking, expanding our diet. According to the British primatologist Richard Wrangham, cooking may have played a role in the expansion of our brains. The hearth would have probably formed a social focus, helping the development of language. 
the use of flints to start fire may have occurred as far back as 400,000 years ago. As the American archaeologist Andrew Sorensen and his colleagues have put it, we archaeologists have yet to ascertain, even in coarse, chronological terms, when in our early prehistory fire became part of the human toolkit. The British archaeologist John Gallet has described the discovery of fire by humans as a convoluted process that took place over a long period of time. The third stage, in which humans began to use and control fire on a regular and widespread basis, may have started only 7,000 years ago. This may have included the use of fire for land clearance, for agriculture, and even for warfare. But even when humans were controlling fire to the extent that it could be used to modify agriculture, we should not lose sight of the fact that wildfire is predominantly controlled by climate. Today we humans appear to be confident of our ability to control fire, but we should not become overconfident. The spread of non-native grasses such as gamba grass in Australia and cheat grass in North America together with a warming climate are having a severe impact on the nature, scale, and frequency of wildfires. It would be well for us to take on board the fact that fire has been part of Earth's story for the past 420 million years, and will continue to be so long after we are all gone. My cup of coffee is getting cold. I am still here. We, we are all still here. Humans, wild things. Yet the loss of homes and habitats is devastating. People are being evacuated from communities close to home and further afield. They are being evacuated every day, and there seems to be no end in sight. It is summertime, and in the Pacific Northwest, a heat wave is breaking records. Highs of 49 degrees Celsius are causing electric wires to melt, cables to snap, and humans to seek reprieve from the blistering sun and heat. A few weeks ago, a small town was lost to a wildfire burning out of control. A whole town in British Columbia. Here, no more. The railroad tracks are unrecognizable. Ash covers the ground where houses once stood, sheltering families from the wind, the rain, the sun, the snow. So much loss. Photo albums, antiques, treasured heirlooms. All gone. Up in smoke. The sadness of that day is not lost on me. How quickly we as humans simply move on. In our region, there is a fire ban, restricting all types of fire, from burning brush piles to setting off fireworks, to making campfires. Nothing is allowed. Not right now. Campfires and campfire stories are synonymous with summertime. I hope it rains. A lot. And soon. I want to make s'mores and roast marshmallows. I want to see the fire dance under the night sky. 
I want to hear the crackling campfire. I want to be able to listen to stories told around the campfire. But for now, for the common good, campfires will have to wait. I see thunderclouds building in the east. Please, please rain. Stay safe, everyone. Under canopy of pines On the eastern lake shore With the beauty outside At the end of the road Off the edge of the dock In all four seasons It's table talk Before I sign off, I want to recognize the team who makes this podcast possible. My hat's off to Bill Stunden, our trusted and talented tech producer. For the music that cues the beginning and end of the podcast, a shout out to Red Moon Road, the ubiquitous, fun folk band of Daniel, Sheena, and Daniel. Yes, there really are two Daniels. Wanda Cable and Marianne Mooring, thank you both for always giving me the courage to create and for cheering me on from the sidelines. Last but not least, the township of Suneros Nestor Falls for greenlighting this project and for making it entirely possible. Let Table Talk with D. Lysak be an offering at your kitchen table, early in the morning or late in the evening, bridging divides and welcoming new perspectives. If you happen to be enjoying the podcast in the company of friends and family while sipping on a neat Irish whiskey, all the better. And on that note, I want to thank you for listening and for sharing your time with me.